This is Live Well Talk on hospital-based therapy. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at Unipoint Health, St. Luke's Hospital. This week is National Rehab Week, uh, and today's episode is the first of three episodes uh, where we'll discuss different therapy services offered at Unipoint Health, Cedar Rapids. Our guest today is Megan Annis, an occupational therapist with St. Luke's uh, Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation, discuss therapy services offered at the hospital. Megan, welcome. Thank you. Excited to be here. So like there's... Uh, hypnotherapy and talk therapy and pet therapy. Mm-hmm. But like you guys are, you know, PT and OT is kind of in this group of the therapies, you know, yep. get, get therapy consults. So tell our listeners your, your occupation by train. Right. And uh, I think a lot of people think, okay, you teach people, they think it's work well. Right. Right. Yep. You know, they think you're yep. workman's comp, <laughs> occupation. Yep. But kind of take us through what an occupational therapist does because you do get, you guys do some really cool things. Yeah. So, we kind of look at everything based on function. So we look at what we call activities of daily living and instrumental activities of daily living. So the activities of daily living are your just basic everyday tasks, getting up, getting dressed, taking a shower, getting to the bathroom. Um, the instrumental, the kind of higher level tasks we look at are things like cooking, cleaning, being able to go to work, drive, take care of kids or pets, kind of whatever people do do that brings meaning to life. Um, so we kind of help work on rehabbing those skills and getting people back to what they want to be able to do after they're in the hospital or have some sort of event take place. Let's let's stay away from stroke right now because mm-hmm. that's kind of a different animal, yep. so to speak. Yep. But come in, they have overwhelming pneumonia, they're sick, and occupational therapy is consulted. So I'm sure you provide, I know you do provide some assessments. I see you guys mm-hmm. working around the hospital. Mm-hmm. But then the, there's also, it doesn't end just there. There's an outpatient aspect to this too. So right. tell, tell the listeners about the outpatient side. Um, yeah. So kind of when people come into the hospital on the acute care floors, we'll see them then. And um, a lot of times we do recommend ongoing therapies, whether it's in their home or um, inpatient rehab up on the sixth floor or outpatient therapy. Um, so we see a lot of people up on outpatient for kind of an extended period of time um, to kind of keep working on all those tasks. So we'll see them once or twice a week, and then we have them still working on things at home to do to kind of keep progressing. Because with a lot of people, it does take longer than just a couple days to kind of get back to where they were before. I always tell patients, and this is based on a small British study mm-hmm. a long time ago, uh, probably in the 1990s, Probably before you were born. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, well, when I was a medical student, uh, and what they did is these people were into the hospital, and it was pneumonia was at the cause, and they gave them this post-it, uh, postcard. And they said, every day you don't feel back to yourself, put this, put this card in the mail, mm-hmm. and stop doing it the day you feel like, okay, I'm back to baseline. Okay. And it, it came out to about for every day you're in the hospital, it takes three days to get your strength back. Yep. Yeah, we tell a lot of people yeah. that, and we see that. Um, it just, once you're down in a hospital bed for that long, it just takes a long time yeah. to recover. So, I, I mean, my 20-some-odd years of, 20-some-odd, 20-some e, even years <laughs> of practice, uh, I've always told patients, okay, you were here seven days. It is going to take 21 days from today mm-hmm. for you to even to be thinking that you could be back close back to your baseline. Right. You know, I've never really had a patient come back and say, oh, you're totally wrong. I mean, I think it's pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah, it seems to be. Yeah. That's why sometimes I, I you know, that they'll 
they'll say uh, they'll they'll say, well, maybe this patient didn't need, didn't need to be in the hospital, mm-hmm. but now they're so weak. It's well, yeah, you, you made them lay down for twenty four hours. You take anyone laying down for twenty four hours, they're going to become deconditioned, right? You know, and I think we see that with uh, I don't know if you ever like the NASA science when they do the MRIs. Have you ever seen that uh-huh. of the astronauts before and after? Yeah, that weightlessness, how how they lose muscle mass, right? So, so what's the typical? Okay, now let me sit, let me think about this. What is the most challenging deficit or skill to help people with? Oh gosh, that is a great question. Because um, we see people for a lot of different. Right, things. I know, I know. So I'm just kind of curious. Um, what is like, like what are some things you're like? Oh, that's easy. Yeah, well, a couple of weeks will be fine. And what are other stuff you're like? Ugh. Um, I feel like sometimes. For the patients themselves, sometimes the physical stuff, like getting stronger, getting their endurance back, getting their coordination better, sometimes that stuff is a little easier. But if people have deficits in, let's say, like cognition, sometimes that's a really challenging one for people to kind of grasp and to work on those skills. Because their cognition's not as good, it's harder for them to kind of realize everything that's going on. Um, So that can kind of be a big challenge for OT especially, trying to work on all those cognitive skills. Because I think the other stuff, people can see it more, can see the progress, and they can tell, oh, I'm stronger, I can stand up on my own, or I can get my own shoes on. But the cognitive piece of thing, you just can't see it as much. Right. Can't measure it, can't. Yeah. Right. So that can be a big challenge. I now, think. for on the physician side, my I think the biggest challenge is, um, and I've come to appreciate this, is you have, okay, so you have the couch potato that when they're like 75, they're like, oh, I, I'm doing everything I did at 50. Yep. You sat around read books and watch TV. So right. good work. Uh, and, and they actually kind of age fairly well, you know, because mm-hmm. they don't, but then the ones that the, the People that are just, you know, they're going to take it badly is they're active in their 70s, maybe, you know, around here still farming. Right. You know, and then also they get an illness and they can't do that. And they, from mentally, that's that's a big deal to yes. them. And th- those are the ones I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be a lot of work to get them back to baseline mm-hmm. because, you know, at some point you just can't get back to where you were. Right. Or like the couch potatoes, like, hey, great. Yeah, yeah. I'm back to sitting <laughs> on the couch. Thank you, doc. You know? And yeah. So for me, that's the biggest challenge yeah. is, the, is actually the patient. But I yeah. can, you're, you're absolutely right that loss of cognitive or th- executive thinking mm-hmm. makes it difficult for them to put things together. Yeah, but I think you make a good point, too. That's kind of the nice thing about being in the hospital and having all the other specialties around is we can help kind of make referrals for like mental health services right. or things like that. Um, so it's nice that we kind of have this good team approach. Um And then also from an occupational therapy standpoint, we have the benefit of looking at, okay, what are the big goals that you have to get back to, like farming? So how can we incorporate that into therapy and really motivate you and show that you're making progress toward those goals? Yeah. Yeah, that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. You know, I've I've heard other physicians say this and, you know, and this is that they'd rather tell, not that they want patients to have cancer. But it's a harder conversation to tell someone they can't drive anymore yes. as opposed to tell someone, yeah, you have a cancer. Yeah. Because. So much independence yeah. for people. Yeah. yeah. You're taking away something from them. Yep. That is their independence. Right. Uh, and we yeah. look at driving a lot in yeah. OT, especially yeah. on outpatient. And yeah, it's it's hard for people. 
when early in my career, I practiced in another city, another town. And there was a doctor that lived a couple towns, small towns to the south of that city that he was a friend of mine. He would send his patients up for me to do the driving assessment. Mm. And I would tell him I can't drive anymore. And then, so then he could go back and then they'd come in and he can always say, well, that Dr. Arnold said he couldn't drive. I, I'd let you, but, you know, he said so. And yeah. Because he didn't want to be the bad guy. Right. And it, those are tough conversations. They are. Patients get yes. angry quickly. Yes. Um, and yep. it's all that independence. Right. You know, that's absolutely. So, okay, we talked about outpatient and inpatient. Mm-hmm. Just off the top of your head, how much physical, I mean, excuse me, how much occupational therapy is inpatient and how much is outpatient? 25, 75? Probably. I mean, in general, I would say like the typical like inpatient rehab stay would probably be about two weeks on average. And then on outpatient, we see them usually for like a couple months, if not longer than that. I would say probably three months is like the average time for outpatient. Is there ever a time where you're like, okay, we've been doing this six months and not getting better. This is probably not going to get better. It does happen. Yeah. Um, And those are challenging conversations to have with patients, too. Absolutely. So we try to just get them set up with all the resources we can, try to get them kind of the most independent that they can be, um, or kind of set up family to help them out. But it does happen occasionally, because sometimes people just can't kind of get back to where they were before. Right. Yeah. Um, At some point, there's just a... You can't... uh, you can't uh, you can't beat Mother Nature, you know, right? It, it just takes its toll, right? Um, so, what what's new in the last couple of years up in the therapy? Uh, um, so we've gotten a lot of great equipment recently. Um, we're doing a lot more with kind of electrical stimulation in muscles with like our stroke and spinal cord injury patients. We've huh. had um, what's called the FES bike, the functional electrical stimulation. So we put electrodes all over their arm or their leg, and then have them cycle on a bike um but now we just got this new machine called the excite and so it's similar to that but we can actually do functional things with it so put the electrodes on and then actually work on like reaching out and grabbing something or combing your hair or brushing your teeth Um, so it's been a really exciting new machine that we've gotten for kind of our neurological population um and we've got a lot of great programs still going on up there, like our Parkinson's, LSVT, big program, a lot of concussion stuff going on. Um, it's that time. Well, football. Yeah. Yes. About yeah, to be in the team position that. for Co. I have more non-football athletes with concussions yeah. than I do football athletes. Now, that might be because maybe they're not reporting them, but it seems like right. a lot of soccer, men and women. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's not just football. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of exciting stuff going on up there. I feel like things are always changing and new research is coming out. So we try to kind of adapt to that as we can. Now, how do you become an occupational therapist? Um, So now it's kind of all switched to mostly master's or um, doctorate programs. So like I went to the University of Iowa for my undergrad and then I went to St. Ambrose for my master's degree. Um, which I think is what a lot of the people around here now have, but we're starting to get some newer staff that have their doctorate. Um, but you do a lot of in-class stuff and then you also have to do the clinical aspect of things. So you're going out and working in clinics or hospitals, those kind of places, getting actual hands-on experience. So, so minimum it's six years of 
schooling. Yep. College plus two to get masters. Yeah, at least. And, and then some. You know, yep. I mean, that's just the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. Why'd yeah. you do it then? Um, I actually, in high school, volunteered up here in our rehab gym. You did? Yes. <laughs> um, didn't really know what I wanted to do, but like the medical field. So started volunteering here and saw that therapy was amazing. And even though people are kind of at the lowest point, they've had some catastrophic event that landed them here. Um, they were working hard toward their goals, so motivated. All the therapists up there are wonderful. Yeah, we have um, a good crew. I mean, there's... Yeah, just good to be around. It's yeah. positive vibes all the time, um, and it's amazing to kind of see the progress people make. So volunteered there when I was in high school, and then actually when I was in the OT program in school, I had one of my clinical rotations up there, um, so kind of got more experience in it, and... Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I've said to people, I think if I, if I wasn't a physician and I could do it again or was faced with doing it again, I would really look at either OT or speech therapy. Those are two that I think are just really, you really help people. Yeah. Yeah. Not not bashing my physical therapy friends. (laughs) So I don't want any hate mail or sneers in the hallway (laughs) when I walk by them. But I just think OT and speech just really make a difference in people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. It's very fulfilling work to see people make these huge gains in their function and kind of get back to where they want to be. And I know they're very appreciative. Yeah. Megan, keep up the good work. We're (laughs) proud of you. We're proud of your team. Once again, this is Megan Annis, an occupational therapist with St. Luke's uh, Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation. If you're interested in learning more about the services provided at St. Luke's Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation, or sometimes referred to as PMR, Call 319-369-7331 or as always, visit unipoint.org. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.